This is the Law Podcasting Podcast, where you learn how to use modern media to get your message out and more good clients to your law practice. Here's your host, Gordon Firemark. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Law Podcasting Podcast. I am indeed Gordon Firemark, your host, and this is the show where I bring you information about how lawyers can use the power of podcasting to support and develop their businesses, even when they're not podcasting specifically about the law. My guest today is Hal Coopersmith. He's a lawyer in New York City who focuses his practice in the commercial real estate transactions, residential purchases and sales, counseling startup businesses, as well as wills and trusts. But we're here today to talk about his podcast, which is called the New York Launch Pod, highlighting startups, disruptors, innovators, and other non-traditional businesses in the New York City area. New York Launch Pod is a monthly podcast featuring conversations with a diverse group of entrepreneurs sharing their experiences and insights building new businesses in and around the Big Apple. They cover business strategy, dealing with logistical and financial obstacles, sometimes painful growth process. The show covers key issues facing entrepreneurs and their businesses. Hal Coopersmith, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Gordon. It's wonderful to be here. Well, great. It's been, we've been trying to get this thing set up for a while, you and I, and I'm glad we're, we're doing it now. So tell me a little bit about more about your practice. You're, now, you're in an interesting um, situation we don't hear about too often. You're a third-generation law firm owner, Yeah. Yes, I work with my father, mm. and my father worked with his father, my grandfather, yeah. and so we're carrying the torch for three generations now. Same practice areas across all three of you guys, or, or variances? I think that the practice has evolved a little bit over time as businesses change. We've sure. been rooted in real estate for mm -hmm. the most part. And that remains at the heart of our business. And from there, we work with all types of businesses and individuals with respect to their transactions. So cool. the core has remained the same, but you know, yeah, what sure. comes from that is has evolved. Well, you have to point your nose at the things that are most interesting to you too, as a, <laughs> as the next generation coming up, right? Exactly. So, so tell me about New York LaunchPod. When did you get this thing started, and what led you there? The first episodes were released in March 2015, and I always had an interest in podcasts. In college, I worked at our college radio station, which was in the news department. So even though it was a rock station, I was doing news. And when podcasts first came out, I just had a I gravitated towards them mm -hmm. and was, was started listening to them. And for a few years before I launched, I had the concept in my head, and it was just getting to that step of, I'm going to do this, because as I was listening to these podcasts, there wasn't really the explosion of growth that we've seen recently, mm -hmm. and so I wanted to, to fill a need. I think the need is still there, and just got around to actually putting the steps in place to get it started. Okay, so you were listening to podcasts, and, and that was sort of what turned you on to the medium. What what shows were you listening to then, and what are you still listening to now? Well, a lot of the shows that I started to listen to back in the in the day were sports shows, and that's sure. what what got me into it. Mm -hmm. uh, I have an interest in fantasy football, so I was listening to fantasy football podcast. Uh, Bill Simmons had a podcast and had an interest in that, 
now there's been an explosion in, in terms of all the podcasts I listen to. Mm-hmm. And if I go through all of them, <laughs> I hear you <laughs> here a while, but, <laughs> but planet money has also remained on my list mm-hmm. as well. Uh, the NPR shows are great. And just, uh, you know, when we're talking about podcasts, the ability to have everything on demand yeah. was so attractive to me at that time that it was great because I just found myself listening to a whole lot more NPR than I ever had before. And it wasn't for lack of content. It was more just being able to tune in when I wanted Mm -hmm. to. Yeah. That on demand, take it with you anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So I became an even bigger junkie of this American life Mm -hmm. at the time as well. Okay, cool. Now, so you said you had a little bit of a background in, in college radio news. Did you get yourself set up for your podcast yourself, or did you have some help? And tell me about how you got going with that. Uh, unfortunately, I did it all myself. And <laughs> Unfortunately, okay. Right. And the way that I got my start is uh, I came across a New York Times article that had covered Pat Flynn and saw all these YouTube videos that Pat Flynn had put together. And I watched all of these several times just in terms of, of getting my start. So it was, it was I think, a five-part video yeah. series or something like that and covered all the basics in terms of equipment mm-hmm. and the technical aspect and feeds and, and so forth. And so that's, that's how I, I got my start. Mm-hmm. And it was a great first step because once you jump in the pool, you just learn all the other things that you're supposed to do as well sure now are you a techie geek kind of guy i mean was that sort of an easy thing for you to do or was it a swallow hard and try (laughs) it was it was i'd say a combination of the two okay Uh, i had an audio background Mm -hmm. and so the editing process and understanding what would go into editing Mm -hmm. wasn't that difficult for me or wasn't too intimidating to me okay but everything else in terms of css which when you're working with wordpress mm-hmm. or back end or feeds and everything else that was that was very foreign to me and, and the website design is stuff that you're doing yourself as well not just the yeah i had the concept for the website design but it was that was that was foreign to me Got as it. well it was it was a new a little bit of html but it was yeah. it was i needed to learn wordpress the right. system in order to to jump in and that was that was somewhat intimidating and time consuming but but was able to get some help in order to do that okay all right so um oh i don't remember i had a, I, there was a question on the tip of my tongue that i was going with and lost my train of thought uh, now i don't i don't you normally edit the show so um you know this is sometimes what happens you just go with the flow uh let's talk about uh, about how it ties in with your law practice. Now you, your, your podcast is not branded as part of your law practice, but do you see it connected and do you see that it's beneficial? Absolutely. And the thing, the thing that I love about the podcast, which is it's the wonderful thing because I have an interest in doing the podcast and can see some benefits that's helpful to my business. And I think if it were simply a hobby mm-hmm. or simply something that I'm doing as marketing, I wouldn't have that enthusiasm. But, you know, when there are down days and it's just a lot of work in, in mm-hmm. terms of maintaining the podcast or growing the podcast, having both of those motivations has been been very helpful. So it's not branded through the law firm because I didn't 
know. I was conscious of ethical considerations at the time, and I didn't want it to be. But what's been wonderful is interviewing the guests. I've been able to establish relationships Mm -hmm. that continue on. And some of my guests have been clients, and some of my guests have turned into clients. And it's been a wonderful way of just growing the practice. And even if it's someone who, uh, who isn't a client, they may know someone and it's just a a wonderful way of of building connections. And I think what's nice about being specifically the New York launch pod and being based in New York is that everyone who I've interviewed has been live. They've been across the table from me, Mm -hmm. which I think is helpful in terms of getting a better conversation and certainly better for sound, but also in terms of establishing a relationship, which has been been really nice because we'll just hang out, we'll have some something to drink, and it's just a nice way of establishing relationships with a whole bunch of new people. Okay, so talk about your setup. That was the question that I went blank on a minute ago. Was your your gear, your setup, and how you you know sort of logistically do the the recordings with that person across the table from you? Do you do it in your office or do you do somewhere else? Everything is done in my office, okay. so it's, it's live in person. And the equipment itself—it's I started off with Audio Technica ATR twenty one hundred microphones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still using that, sure. and it, it goes into uh, a Behringer mixer okay. and into my computer. But hopefully, and from this this past podcast movement. Uh, maybe changing up the equipment. Don't want to say who, but but it's a wonderful way uh, of just the growth that I was talking about. Yeah. In terms of you, you're able to get a start, and then once you are off and running, you're able to expand a little bit. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that that's one of the things that's been wonderful for me is just getting in and then realizing all the things that you you can do because it's a lot of information to take on at, at one point one. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, um, you mentioned you were, you had some concerns about ethics and keeping things a little separate from your practice. And in fact, you, you started up a separate entity for the podcast. Is that right? Bullpath media. That's correct. Okay. And that was just for the podcast or do you have other adventures going on in there? That's just for the podcast. Okay. It's the only adventure that's going on. <laughs> and that, and what, so what was the reason? I mean, we're, we're talking to uh, mostly lawyers listening to the show, so I'm interested in that. So when I started, I didn't know any other lawyers that were podcasting. Unfortunately, I hadn't come across you at the time. Yeah. And I didn't want it to be a part of my practice and, and just be part of something that's, that's branded for the practice for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. One of them being ethical, uh, certainly having a separate business was helpful. And as any lawyer who is listening to this podcast knows, it's helpful to have a separate entity in case something goes wrong with one entity versus, versus another. So those were all the factors that, that led me to starting a new entity. And I just thought it would be, be helpful to do that on my own. And in case something, I think it, you know, we are talking about a new medium right now. And while we have ideas of what will happen and, you know, certainly being clear of ethical considerations, it's not for certain yet, I would say until, until there are 
formal decisions. And so that was my concern mm-hmm. uh, ethically, at least in terms of starting a, a separate entity. Okay, cool. So tell me about how do you pick out your guests? How do you find and identify them? Do they, uh, and, and what's your workflow once you do? So the hardest part in terms of finding guests for me was, was finding the first couple mm-hmm. and specifically the first two, because I wanted to release the first two episodes at, at the same time. Sure. And that was when I didn't have a product. I just had a logo and introduction and an outro sure. and had, and it's, it's hard to get guests and, and reach out and find folks who would appear on. So I actually, through my college network and, and friends knew Evan hammer mm-hmm. and Matthew Farcash, who were my first two guests who I'm always grateful to and reached out and said, Hey, I'm doing this thing. Would you want to appear on it? And they were wonderful enough to say yes. And once I had a product, it became a little bit easier. I was able to reach out to, to other folks, uh, a client of mine say, I'm doing this. Would you want to come on uh, a friend of a friend? Here's, here's what this sounds like. Here's what the look and feel is. Would you want to come on? And then I was off and running. And so now it's a little bit easier. People refer other people. I'll either, I sometimes I'll cold call folks and, and they'll come on. And some guests have approached me to come on. And it's been a, a wonderful circle that has been able to, to evolve. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so let's talk about the workflow tonight. So you've, you've selected a guest, you've invited them. What's the next step for you? How do you prep for the show? What's the whole process look like? Well, at least in terms of doing research, I, sort of take my legal background in terms of learning more about the guests and mm-hmm. do as much research as I can about the guests and try to come up with some interesting questions that they haven't been asked before mm-hmm. or a different, different approach and just find out as much information as possible. And even if it doesn't come up during the interview, I think it's a great way about talking about it before to, to show a rapport with the guests and, mm-hmm. and show that you've actually done the work. So I, I try to do as much research as possible before the interview. And then once the, the interview starts, it's just whatever happens in the conversation, if it comes up or not, I have some questions that, that I'd like to ask, but try to be as responsive as possible to the guest. I don't, wouldn't say that I am great at that all the time, but, but I, I certainly try my best. Okay. Okay. Talk about, and what about post-production? Are you doing a lot of editing on your show or is it really just assembling the pieces or what? I do a lot of editing afterwards Mm -hmm. and I thought that that would be helpful for me in the beginning phase of my podcast because everyone has verbal tics and at least in terms of communicating, you realize how many verbal tics you have when you record yourself and have to edit out every um ah uh, etc and so that that was something that i wanted to do at least for the first year in terms of getting because i am monthly so that was a limited number of episodes to get a better sense of communicating and i think that that's been helpful for me in my practice certainly in the podcast and <clears throat> at least in terms of getting my point across just in in other conversations which is a very important tool for lawyers even though we've gone through years of law school and other training to communicate you can never stop learning that 
Okay. So how did you and, decide on that month? I'm sorry, finish your thought. Oh, and I was actually going to say I'm having on a guest in the future who is a professional uh, speech, uh, I guess, instructor, okay, and a communication instructor, mm-hmm. and and he, to his point as well, you can never stop stop learning. Yeah, yeah. So. How did you end up using, you mentioned that you're a monthly show, which is interesting because that's sort of contrary to much of the prevailing, um, <laughs> call it wisdom, if you will, about, you know, podcasting should be something that's done with some frequency and doing it on a weekly basis. And like, well, how did you end up deciding on the monthly structure? And I'll tell you, I also have a monthly show in addition to this one. So my main show is a monthly one. So what was your thinking on that? And, and, uh, where's that taking me? Yeah, I recognize that it is something that's contrary to popular thinking and isn't as frequent as other podcasts and probably not as frequent as I would want as well. I settled on monthly because at least in terms of the instruction that I received and the videos that I watched was keep to a definitive schedule. That was one of the main keys that they they gave, one of the main points that Mm -hmm. it was done. And so... I knew that I could keep to monthly, and I certainly, when I started, had no idea what I was doing, Mm -hmm. and I'm still learning along the way and have yet to perfect a a perfect system yet, but monthly is what what I knew that I would be able to do and that I could set a deadline to Mm -hmm. say, I'm actually monthly, Mm -hmm. and I didn't, and I saw this as, as something that would be very helpful to me. I didn't want it to... And it, it's certainly a big part of my life, but I didn't want it to, I wanted the podcast to complement my practice, not necessarily take away from it. Mm-hmm. And my concern about going more frequently than monthly, at least at the beginning, was that the expression feed the beast in terms of content and so sure. forth. I didn't want to dilute the show and dilute the quality uh, or just be stressed about getting on various guests mm-hmm. and, and worrying that so much that it would take away from the practice. So do you have a set recording schedule? You always do it on a certain day of the month or, or are you flexible on that front? I always release the episode on the first of the month, okay. but I'll record guests at various times when, when it's convenient for them. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully have a couple episodes that I've recorded, but not yet edited or gone mm-hmm. into post-production until, uh, you know, for a while. So just, okay. Just have some in, in the, the bank, bank, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, and you're doing your own post-production, your own posting and show notes and everything? Yes, I'm doing my own post-production. I actually, from Podcast Movement, met an editor who I've just started working with. Mm-hmm. And uh, for now, it's been, he's editing, he's mastering the show for the most part. But I think down the line, I'd like for him to to edit the podcast in the future. And that, that would take some, uh, a significant amount of time off sure. my plate. Mm-hmm. You, you've mentioned podcast movement several times during the show. And I want to make sure for our listeners that aren't familiar, that is, um, a conference for podcasters that's held once a year, usually in the summer. And, uh, I think that's how you and I first met at the one in Fort Worth a couple of years ago. Yeah. I saw your presentation. I actually, uh, didn't attend the live session, but okay. I saw the video replay and I said, I have to reach out to Gordon. So 
Uh, and then we've been communicating since then. Yeah, and and uh, we were all scheduled to have a drink at the, this year's podcast movement, and then uh, some uh, uh, emergency came up in my schedule, and I wasn't able to make it. I was regretful of that, but we're here. We are. So um, yeah, that's great. So you know, you you've, you've talked about the post production and, and sort of what's involved and and the monthly scheduling. So I think that that is part of the the big objection that a lot of folks when when they think about what can I do you know like a podcast as a marketing tool or whatever else is the time commitment the the amount of of uh, well that most precious resource really that goes into putting together a show how much of your time would you say goes into putting together a single episode of your show I know I knew that you were going to ask that question and I was afraid to to answer it and my <laughs> my short answer is is too much time at least <laughs> your law and, partners are listening right <laughs> right it, and but it, it's always it's been on weekends and it's sure. been after after work but it it took me a while to to get and and i'm still cutting down the time that it takes mm-hmm. to edit and from a recording to publishing yeah and so so that's nice mm-hmm. the certainly the more you do it, the better you become and, and the less time it takes. Mm-hmm. I can't provide a definitive answer in terms of the, the number of hours because it depends. I don't have a set show length. So one episode, which was my longest, was an hour and 10 minutes. And that was uh, a lot to edit because we had a lot more content than that. And some have been been shorter. So it varies on the length of the show. And for me, I don't mind uh, a longer episode because it means that the conversation has been more interesting. It just means on the back end that there's more to do. And I haven't, at least in terms of making my guests feel comfortable, because a lot of times I'm the beginning of their media circuit or they yeah. haven't done a podcast before, which which I'm very happy about, mm-hmm. to make it less pressure and less stress for them and say, don't worry, everyone messes up and, mm-hmm. and I'll edit it out. And so I, I take on more responsibility and more work sure. in terms of, uh, editing, but I'm happy to do that because I think the the podcast comes comes out better. Okay, so you feel it's been a worthwhile investment of time and energy. Yeah, I I absolutely think so. I mean, I I love uh, doing the podcast, and one of the things that that's been nice recently or, or a few months ago was able to win the New York Press Club Award for best podcast, oh, wow. and that was very exciting. And even even if nothing else happens from the podcast, it's been been a wonderful journey from from that. And and you know you devote so much time and energy, or I certainly do, in mm-hmm. terms of doing it. And it just it just makes me very happy to do it. And so you know, I, I'm not sure if the return on investment numbers work out after uh, I've been doing it for a year and a half at this point, mm-hmm. uh, but. But I certainly see the potential for it, and it, even if it doesn't happen, the enjoyment alone has been been worthwhile. For me. Well, you know, it's interesting on that. I think there's a lot of different ways to measure that return on investment. That was going to be sort of my next question: is what are your metrics that you use? Because you've received an award, that's a high profile thing that sets you up as an authority in in a field at least, and and uh, something you can brag about in in your marketing as well, and. You know, you get some personal satisfaction from it. You mentioned that you've you've made friendships and even some client relationships with your interview guests. So you know, it doesn't have to be a dollar for dollar return on investment if you are starting to you know if you're seeing that kind of those kinds of benefits 
collectively adding up to what you've said is a worthwhile thing for you. So, um, right. And I know that your show encourages lawyers in terms of podcasting and, and marketing. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that was back to my, my point is that it's, it's helpful as a marketing tool, but I would say that, that folks and specifically attorneys who are seeing this exclusively as a marketing tool, the dollar for dollar may not work out. So it's important to be so passionate about being a podcaster and, and the medium in order to, to support the journey. That's a great line. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, yeah. So, so what is it? I mean, let me ask you this. Do you, do you connect the dots at all with the podcast and your firm? Do you mention, uh, I, I'm, I've listened to a couple of your episodes and I don't think you're, you're saying sponsored by the law firm or anything like that, but is it something that you do connect the dots a little bit or, or no? I think that I could probably do a better job of actually connecting the dots. I don't mention the law firm specifically right now in the podcast. Mm -hmm. There's a link to the podcast from my law firm site and vice versa. But even those I wouldn't say aren't super prominent. Mm -hmm. And I, that's something that I, I wrestle with a little bit existentially <laughs> in terms of how, how much, how closely to connect the dots mm -hmm. and, um, you know, don't stay up at night thinking about oh, that, right, right. but, but certainly it's in the back of my mind mm -hmm. in terms of, what should I do and, and how can I do this better mm -hmm. in terms of connecting it? And, and do I, and does the podcast lose a step if, if I mention the law firm that much or, or uh, vice versa. Sure. And, and I have some ideas hopefully down the pipe that, that may work out. Mm -hmm. But uh, for now, I think I could do a better job at least in terms of connecting the two. Well, as you said earlier, every, every step, you know, there's, you never continue, excuse me, you never stop growing and learning. So there you go. So right. what was the hardest thing about getting your show up and going, the hurdles that you've had to overcome, those kinds of things? The the two biggest ones for me, one was just a mental hurdle in terms of being a lawyer and not knowing anyone else who had been a lawyer starting a podcast was just what is this going to mean for me being a lawyer as weird as that may sound? And that was just a mental hurdle, which is will other lawyers frown upon it? Is it going to hurt my business? You know, uh, how, how is it going to be, uh, could it be a negative? And I think that that's part of when you're starting something new, you can think about all, and particularly being trained as a lawyer, you can think about all the negatives that can happen, but, and, and pretty closely relate them to the positives and, and not realize that the positives would, would outweigh the negatives. And that's, I'd say part of the, the legal training, but what, and so overcoming that mental hurdle was certainly a big one, uh, for me. And then once I overcame that hurdle, it was more just everything, even though I had a radio background in terms of the online presence and getting the, WordPress and, and the yeah. site running and the hosting that was, it was all foreign to me. And so just learning all of that, even though I'd watch videos, um, it was, it was an obstacle, but as ironically, as difficult as it could be to, to overcome kind of the mental hurdle from, from being a lawyer and re realizing all the drawbacks, mm -hmm. the training, the legal training in terms of 
teaching yourself how to do something new and, and everything else was incredibly beneficial as well. Okay. So what about favorite moments so far? You've got 18 episodes in the can a year and a half in any great moments you relate to us. I think we're up to 24 at this point, or we will be at least in, in October, but uh, certainly winning the New York press club award was uh, amazing. Um, And, and just, I I don't, I wouldn't say that I had beyond that, a a definitive favorite moment. I think it's just such a fun, fun journey to be on. Mm-hmm. And recording the, the recording the interviews every interview because it's it's monthly has been been really fun and just checking to see the growth every day and how the the podcast has has grown it's just been been wonderful um, and you know mm-hmm. I've mentioned this several times but even just going to to podcast movement and seeing mm-hmm. all these passionate podcasters have been been so fun and being a part of a medium that's growing and a a new medium has just been, been a blast for me. That's great. So you mentioned the numbers and the growth. And so I'm going to ask you the question, what are you seeing in terms of number? You don't have to be specific exactly, but are you seeing consistent growth every month, every, every episode? Is it big or are you still feeling, well, you answer the question as how you see. And then I want to follow up with what are you doing and seeing in terms of audience engagement? So I think the the thing that's that's hamstrung me a little bit is being a monthly podcast. And mm-hmm. if I were to be more more frequent, I would see more rapid growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think one of the things that's been wonderful has been that the number of countries that have been been downloaded. And I haven't put much. I haven't really put any money behind any marketing or, mm-hmm. or Google ads or Facebook ads or anything else like that. And and just that I've been downloaded in 70 countries right now has been been phenomenal to me. And places that I don't know people and, and don't know the, the folks who, who are listening. And I think, to your point, one of the ways that I can improve, and certainly one of the things I learned from the last podcast movement, was increase engagement and solicit more feedback from listeners. And, and that's something that I hadn't done yet. And so pe- folks have reached out to me to appear on the episode and I try to engage with my past guests and, and so forth. But at least in terms of building an engagement more with the listeners, I think that that's something that, that I look forward to doing. Okay. So what advice would you offer to someone just thinking about getting started with a podcast for themselves? Uh, be passionate. I think that's the the best advice. If if you're on the if you're on the fence about, uh, I'm not sure if this is if I want to do this or not. Then I would say make sure before you do it uh, that you should be passionate about it. And because there are those those down moments, at least in terms of there's a lot of work or something goes wrong or you're off schedule. And once you get off schedule. I think you're you're off the treadmill and you can just say, well, I'm not going to publish the episode today. Maybe I'll publish it mm-hmm. in a week. And then you, you just kind of fall behind. So I would say make sure that the, this is something that you want to do ahead of time and it will help you navigate the ups and downs. 
And if you're on the fence in terms of thinking, if you are, if you do want to do it and you're thinking and you're wondering if this is a, if being, being a podcaster is a good idea or a bad idea, or maybe at this point that it's maybe a little bit too cliche <laughs> because there's been a lot of growth in the podcasting. I would say that it's not, and there's still a lot of, still a lot more growth to be had. I certainly hope so. <laughs> and I believe that, yeah. uh, but, but that it's just a wonderful, wonderful way to, uh, to, to follow up a passion that you have, you know, in interest, uh, whether it's your law firm or something else. I mean, it, it doesn't have to necessarily be related to a practice, which is something that you've talked about and you don't have to talk about the law. I think it's just a wonderful way of, of becoming, uh, you know, a more interested and interesting person. Well, that's great. That's a, that's a fantastic bit of advice. Anything I haven't asked you that you wish I had? I think you did. I think you did a great job. Um, I just, the, uh -huh. the one thing is, is when's the next time we're going to have that drink? I would say. But, well, next time we're in the same city, I think we have to make right. that happen. <laughs> How this has been a great interview. I know I've gotten a, a lot of information and, and value from it, and I think our listeners will also. Um, so I'm very grateful for you joining me and sharing these insights. How can listeners reach you if they have questions or an interest in getting in touch? Well, the podcast, as you mentioned, is the New York Launch Pod. Mm -hmm. You can visit nylaunchpod.com or follow us on social media at nylaunchpod. Uh, my email address for the podcast is, is pod, P-O-D, at nylaunchpod.com. My firm is Coopersmith & Coopersmith. We are based in New York City. You can visit uh, Coopersmith, A-N-D, coopersmith.com, C-O-O-P-E-R-S-M-I-T-H. It's very long. I get that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, certainly happy to answer questions for folks who are looking to get their start in podcasting and uh, happy to, you know, work with anyone uh, if, if I can fill a legal need for them as well. Well, fantastic. We'll say thanks also at this point to our listeners. Hope you'll take a moment to send your comments and suggestions uh, to the website at lawpodcaster.com and a review on the iTunes store is always welcome. And if you're interested in podcasting for your law practice, the Power Podcasting for Lawyers course is now available at lawpodcasting.com. And until next time, keep on podcasting. Podcasting.